0: Mm-hmm. back to the Monday Lorians, a casual podcast discussing all things Star Wars every Monday. Well, every Monday we have content. I always need to reiterate, because we do have our little hiatuses. Is that the plural? Hmm. Uh, So here we explore the stories, themes, characters, and have a lot of fun along the way. Um, Well, not so much fun this week, because unfortunately Jake has returned, but we have been imprisoned and forced onto an assembly line for making podcasts. And so this week we'll be assembling a podcast about episode 8 of Andor, Narkina 5 directed by Toby Haynes who's returning from the uh, initial trio of episodes released and written by Bo Willeman who's I think most well known for rebooting House of Cards for Netflix and I met him once so I do consider him a very close personal friend uh, because I've got a huge ego uh, friend of the show, he's going to come on and he's, uh, he's a very sharp guy about politics, I think he left tv for a while to actually get into politics
1: it, it's funny because uh i don't really know Bo Wilman from much like it was only mm. upon research i was like oh he did house of cards um but i actually knew him more from his twitter profile and how very uh, political and how uh the lot of Th- he has some thoughts has some thoughts
0: uh. he's got a lot of thoughts and i feel like a lot of them may have come out in this episode of andor <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah of course i'm niall who's been on a, a streak of andor lately i bet folks are sick of me but everyone will be happy to hear the return of you jake
1: yes i'm back on the monday lorians i have um been in the prison <laughs> by some imperials uh, getting zapped on the floor and making the same thing over and over again
0: well that's what you get for going to the shop jake how I dare know. you
1: i know i was just looking around and then some guy was like hey
0: you get in here <laughs> Our um, our podcast meta-narrative aside, Jake, what have you been up to?
1: Yeah, well, um, you know, I think when we did... And I was last on, we did our Rogue One special, and I said that I was going to be sort of taking a step back from the Monday Lawrence to focus on uh, my studies, which I've just started uh, an open university course in English literature. Uh, So I've been just really focusing on that. And um, yeah, it's good fun so far, really informative. I've been uh, sort of this term is focusing on the topic of reputations and what makes a reputation, which, you know, kind of funnily enough, ties into some of the things with that, uh, Andor's talking about, uh, what with politicians and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, look, sort of looking at historical figures, uh, the ones I've sort of looked at so far, like Cleopatra, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Elizabeth I, and currently working on my uh, first assignment um, on those three figures. Uh, But yeah, really insightful stuff, stuff I found, you know, stuff I, um, well, kind of the whole point of the module is that you think you know what this person's like through history, media, you know, you you get your own sort of uh, sense of the reputation of this person. But then when you actually like peel back the layers and discover more about these people, you're like, oh, wow, okay, no, I have a very different perception of who this real person is. And in some cases, if they, they even were real.
0: Mm, it's almost like making a prequel show about a character from a movie. I know, right? Oh, what, what interesting times we're in. <laughs> I, know, I noticed this earlier, Jake, I thought this was really funny. But since you've gone, you're doing this course, and with my day job, you're a student now, and I'm a teacher, which is just a really weird, oh, yeah. I, d- I don't oh. want to make that the dynamic of the show, because that would <laughs> suck. But I just thought that was quite funny
1: uh mr Glynn, mr Glynn. i uh,
0: oh, do you- <laughs> oh, don't mr Glynn is my father's name friend of the show uh, <laughs> we got a lot I of hope. friends
1: on this show <laughs> uh, son what are you doing wasting your time on these podcasts
0: well my dad's i think the only interaction with Star Wars i can remember with my dad was him taking me to see revenge of the sith and falling asleep he's a he's a great one for falling asleep during movies uh power to him. Fair enough. I mean, some, like, I can't do that, but no. fair
1: play to some people who can just zonk out at any film.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I need to mention, I think you'll find this incredible. My my good friend Ross, who won't mind me telling this story, he went to see Dune last year, but he had to leave before the end because he had to get a, a bus home for work or something. And I was like, oh, well, that sucks. Well, we're going to see Dune for the third time. Do you want to come along and, like, see how it goes? He's like, oh, yeah, fine. And Dune's a very loud movie. But he managed to sleep all the way through it up until the point where he had stopped watching it the last time, and then he just woke up and watched the ending.
1: That's impressive.
0: That's incredible. That is the kind of sleep power I would love. Um, yeah, I wonder
1: how. How under how loud was it? Like, did he was he sleeping through in the cinema or was it like a home viewing?
0: No, this was a cinema. Oh wow! So that yeah that would have been properly loud. <laughs> like, because I think it'd be really rude if he were just hanging out on the sofa and he fell asleep in the cinema that's fair game you've paid for a seat but when you're in like a... i don't know there's different levels of it but uh yeah power to ross
1: yeah power to ross um i have i have a, a similar story that uh, one of my best friends um when i used to uh, live with him back in like uni days and stuff um he always wanted we we watched tons of movies together without fail he would fall asleep within the last sort of 20 10 minutes of the film. <laughs> every film uh i don't know how he did it and he would be enjoying the film mm. it's not like he was bored or anything <laughs> just gone incredible and i would have to explain the ending each time
0: <laughs> you should have just started lying about what happened i did think of that that one would, point, that would but... teach him a lesson for always falling asleep
1: <laughs> then they all died then um, they all <laughs> died
0: it's very shakespearean yeah uh, so speaking of teaching, uh day of recording. This is my midterm, so I am going to go back to a time-honored tradition and open up a lovely beverage. Ah, yes.
1: Well, you know what? We're g- we're going to be talking about the party happening in Mothma's apartment. They're all having weird drinks with <laughs> fizzy worms in them. So uh, I think it's a uh, it's a good time to have a drink.
0: Don't yeah, you? I never thought Chandrila would be the planet with like weird space tequila, <laughs> like I the know. worm and all. <laughs> Um, If there's
1: one request I can make uh, to ask Disney is that um, by the time I eventually go to Galaxy's Edge, Mm. I can go to the bar and order one of those and put like a gummy worm in there (laughs) or something.
0: I hope it's authentically disgusting because as they point out, that is the point of the drink. Drink, yes.
1: And Perrin, with with the two worms in his, he's going for it. (laughs)
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Lovely, lovely lout of a husband of hers.
1: (laughs) Oh, we'll get into
0: him. We'll get into it. But Jake, until you mentioned it at the start, I forgot that, of course, we talked about Rogue One, and that's where I got confused, but you haven't gotten to talk about Andor at all nope, on the podcast. Nope, I haven't been on.
1: Nope. My it's... first time on here.
0: So Jake, uh, what do you think?
1: What do I think? What do you wow. think? Uh, what just well, I, I think? Just say, um, it's
0: a, just say it's a piece of crap, and I would just throw the show off completely. No, I wouldn't know where uh, to stand with you.
1: <laughs> I tell you what, because, and I've been really thinking about this, because especially with um, some of the online uh, reactions to it and other fans and people I've been speaking towards and stuff, um, I have thought that this show was exactly the show I was kind of expecting in terms of where the story was going uh, and definitely thematically. Um, But it it is presented and executed in a way that I wasn't expecting at all. Pacing, uh, the pacing, the, the, the characterizations of these people, um, just everything, the tone and mood of it, you know, just everything about it is not what I was expected in the presentation of the show. That being said, um, I've seen a lot of uh, people saying like how this is brand new territory for Star Wars. You know, I've never seen Star Wars do anything like this before. And to, su- to some people, I would say yes in its presentation, but I would say story wise and thematically, I think it's perfectly in sync with everything we've seen with Star Wars before. It was what I was expecting from an Andor show to be. Um, But it just has less of that zip, bang, pow adventure, serial pulp adventure that I'm so used to with Star Wars and love with Star Wars that it's taking a more political approach. And, you know, Star Wars has always been political, as we we speak about, as we've talked about before. Um, Sometimes it's more direct than others. Um, But this one is right in your face, very direct about what it's trying to say, the messages, the questions it's asking. Um, And I really love when not just Star Wars, but any sort of sci-fi, fantasy sort of uh, story asks the hard questions, you know, and gives you something to wrestle with. And really, and every time I finish an episode, I'm just sort of left a bit speechless and really deep in thought of everything that they've presented to me in that episode and really thinking about it. Um, and I think that's a testament to how this show is being construction, uh, constructed, uh, Tony Gilroy and, and his team and uh, all the cast as well. I think it's been an absolute phenomenal show. Um, but and I'll, but I have struggled in some sense because of how um, sullen the show is, you know, and what a somber mood it can be. And, you know, sometimes I've had good days and I've been like, yeah, I'm feeling great, uh, you know. Uh, I'm in a really good mood and then I sort of think, oh, I have to watch Andor now and that's going to really... And I've struggled with that. I've been like, oh, do I want to watch that now? But then I thought, no, let's just watch it because it'll be a good sort of... So I've struggled with it in that sense um, and I struggled with some of the, the the structure of the earlier episodes as they're sort of presented in arcs. Mm. So like the first couple of episodes, I thought they ended quite abruptly. The same for like three... No, so four and five um, but I haven't really got that problem with these last couple of episodes. These have felt more like very standalone episodes, definitely leaning into what's going to happen, but not relying on the next episode to get the full picture. Uh, but overall, I think this is a phenomenal show, and I'm very, very impressed with uh, Lucasfilm. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah, no, I agree with you, because I had, I had mixed feelings on the thoughts of like, oh, is this completely new grounds? But I think uh, tonally it is for the, exactly the reasons you just said. And especially because I think with the Disney Plus shows, we've been used to, like, every episode having, like, uh, a kind of action set piece in some way or another. And these don't. These are just fine mm-hmm. to be entirely conversational or have not action things happen, but not necessarily what we think of as Star Wars action. Yeah, no,
1: no no, pulp type of action, yeah.
0: Very, I don't know if we've had any corridor shooting uh, in the show so far. I I'm might be wrong. Th-
1: I'm trying to think now. I don't think so. No.
0: And I don't know if that was uh, an intentional thing they thought of, or it's just very funny because that's something we talk about a lot on the show. But either way, it's been a, been very refreshing in a lot of ways, just to have something kind of so different. I think it is interesting to make a Star Wars, like you said, that isn't as easily digestible, that sometimes you will actually say, oh, I'm not in the mood to sit down with this right now. Mm-hmm. I think that's quite a brave step. And um, it's interesting... Because I know it's like a funny, maybe a slight difference between us is because I'm an I was an annoying film student, <laughs> so I I'd, I'd watch like my uh, my Tarkovsky and my Bergman films about just like the most miserable people in the world, and to me now that has become like my idea of quite a good time, where those are like almost right, comfort yeah. watches. So like Andor, I watch mm-hmm. it every morning it comes out. I make a big cup of coffee and I watch it, and I'm just seeing like terrible things happen.
1: So, see, uh, this is uh, this yeah, that is the difference between us because with Andor, unlike maybe the Mandalorian, especially like I was really excited in the morning of the of the episode of watching it first thing. Because it kind of reminded me of you know Saturday morning cartoons and that whole pulpy adventure sort of thing. This is
0: like a funeral morning show. Yeah, that's
1: exactly. I, I, when I wake up for Andor, I'm like, I can't watch that first thing. I need to, I need to go through my day first. Um, and it's it's an evening watch for me and my girlfriend, uh, which we've been watching it together.
0: Oh, has she been enjoying it as well?
1: She's also been enjoying it as well, and it's interesting because um, she's also doing an Open University course. Oh. Um, on uh, criminology and sociology and stuff ah. like that, so she's really engaging with some of the stuff and the themes that that Andor's talking about as well. Like she's, she loves Star Wars, and not mm. as much as maybe me and, and, and us us nerds. <laughs> no, she, that that, that would have be difficult in that Two people but No, she 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 is a Star Wars fan, and you know she'll be coming with us to celebration uh, next year. Oh great! Yeah, um, but she is, she has said like this is a show that I have not really thought star wars could go to those depths before um and and talk about these real world issues and star wars has always like again star wars has always done this but it's always been more george's style of showing rather than telling yeah. and, hi- and hinting at like we got with the prequels and stuff uh, I was while just gonna- I was going to say, our
0: our episode question deals with this quite in quite an interesting way. I'm I'm looking forward to what you have to think. Well,
1: I'm looking forward to to seeing that question. Um, While this is very much, it's telling you. You know, there's pieces of dialogue that are like, what is public order? And Mm. it's asking you, the audience, the question and asking you to wrestle with that and think about that.
0: It is like they've made a whole show based off the... um, Well, well, I'm I'm forgetting. That's really bad. I was going to bring up the, the quote from episode three, the applause, sound of democracy dying... What is that oh, quote again? Yeah.
1: Um, so this is how liberty dies with thunder's applause. Yeah.
0: That's it. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, sorry to Natalie Portman Dave, sorry, for, yeah. for getting that, that very good line. Uh, yeah, no, I agree with all that. And uh, I find it really interesting that your partner is studying criminology because I wonder, is she watching this thinking like, how would I catch that Cassian Andor? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think she's she goes to the, to the more of the angle of like... um. Not so much how can I catch Cassian Andor, but why does Cassian do what he does? <laughs> so oh I think, right, yeah.
0: I'm just exposing my ignorance about what <laughs> what is. Well, no, th- is.
1: There's, there's different forms of, and different types of it. I don't really know much until she's explaining it to me. Um, but she's more interested in the uh, un- trying to understand the criminal sort of an- aspect of why do they do what they do and uh, and what are the conditions mm. that they are put in to do what they do which, again, is very prevalent for what's going on in Andor when we look up pl- uh, planets like Pherix, um, and um, Aldani and what's going on there. So, yeah, I, yeah, love it. Love it, man. It's all connected. It's all a symbiont circle, as uh, Obi-Wan would say.
0: Obligatory me talking about another show. But but has your partner seen Mind Mindhunter?
1: Yes, yes, we've watched that. It's incredible.
0: It's so good. I only finished love it for it. the first time last week. And, uh, oh, yeah, uh, Netflix, so get on it. Bring yeah, get,
1: get that season three going. Come on, Come
0: stop on. it with a Stranger Things. Give me a Mind Hunter. Oh, but I digress.
1: I'm got gu- yeah. She's actually um, she's read the book as well. What the oh, series well. is based on. So
0: that that okay. I do want to read. So uh, enough. Of, oh, I spent enough about Mind Hunter. I need to cut myself off before this becomes a different show podcast. Yeah. let's
1: uh, let's move away from serial killers and talk about oppressive governments. Yes,
0: <laughs> the stuff we like. <laughs> um <laughs> well we we almost have to we live in the uk (laughs) Um, oh dear so jake this is a question i was thinking about watching the episode uh on my rewatch earlier today and i was finding it really interesting and also based off a tweet i saw uh which i'm gonna try and quote which was someone saying what they love most about andor is that all these serious discussions are happening and all these big themes are being discussed But at the same time, at any point, one of these characters could run into Jojo Binks. And it's just this concept of... Because this feels like a more grounded take on Star Wars, because we don't really have, say, uh, the Jedi, the Force, the more mystical elements, we'll say. This is more based on the the retro-futurism, kind of 70s Mm. stuff that we're used to.
1: Mm. I'm getting a lot of um, Blade Runner vibes. A lot of Blade Runner
0: vibes, absolutely. But do you think... Removing some of the, these elements might limit the showrunners in how they can tackle certain political topics. I was just thinking of, like, the original trilogy, of course, has a lot to say about uh, Richard Nixon and Vietnam, uh, direct quotes from George Lucas, what they're about, the prequels, like, the Middle East George Bush stuff, and the sequel trilogy, which I think a very underrated aspect is its idea of the rise of neo-fascism. Mm-hmm. I always thought it was a very strong theme of it. Um, but what do you think? Because I've always felt what I loved about Star Wars always was the fact they could combine almost like Eastern storytelling of like, what would you say, like Buddhist parable or Arthurian Mm. legend with kind of contemporary political issues. And Andor, I think, very deliberately avoids these. Do you think this is a limitation or this is a strength? I said a lot of words there. I sounded smarter yeah. than I am, but I'm not. I please. I. So
1: I don't know. It's that's. A, it's a very good question. In terms of is it's a strength. Now I I, I want to make this clear. It's not a strength in the terms of like every show should do this. No. Yeah. Because because th- th- this is what makes a good show. I think it's a strength for this show specifically, and what Tony Gilroy and team are trying to do here is. When you're pushing these provocative themes, sometimes the moment can be undermined if you have a bit of comedy um, or a bit of pulpy, whiz-bang fantasy adventure. It can almost take you out of the realism of what's being discussed. So I can understand, and especially looking back at Tony Gilroy's previous work, him going, I don't really want any of that. Uh, He's very vocal on his thoughts on Star Wars. He doesn't Hate Star Wars or disrespect Star Wars. No, he respects Star Wars. He appreciates it. It's just not his thing, you know? Um, which, I, from a certain point of view, I can go, yeah, we need more of that within Lucasfilm making these projects. And we also need people like Dave Filoni doing their, you know, really deep lore, Star Wars fandom type of stuff. Um, for this show, I think it's a big strength. Um, is it a limitation? In what sense, though? Like, in limitation of its appeal to a wider audience?
0: I suppose, I mean, possibly, because it is just an entire hypothetical, but maybe limitation in kind of stories you can tell. As saying, do, like, Jedi, Sith, or Force users in general add an extra element they can play with? Because, like, I've always seen uh, the prequels especially have a lot to say about organized religion, and maybe that is just going to be their thing and kind of left out of Andor uh it, to go on a, a slight tangent yeah. I, th- I think it's a strength that they've left those things out of this because like i was talking earlier about my miserable art films that i love this feels like a godless star wars universe this is like an atheist star wars universe because there these people have no aspirations or hope they're like covered in mud they do these terrible jobs every day and now they're under this like horrendous punishment for minor offenses mm. So, uh, the
1: qu- the quote by um Andy Circus himself he says if you lose hope keep it to yourself sort of thing exactly which is just
0: like <laughs> the antithesis of a, a new hope isn't it yeah well even rogue
1: one like even with, rogue one yeah with with andor himself saying rebellions are built on hope it's but i like what they're doing here because we need to get to andor at that point you know what i mean so
0: yeah before we came on the air i was talking about uh, a book i'm reading called into the woods about storytelling structure and was talking about how some stories can have, like, seven-act structures, for example. But he was also using these, uh, the author was using this to talk about TV shows as well. Because, obviously, as a TV show goes along, it can have the same beats a narrative act should. Like, a, the lowest point for the heroes. So, in the Greatest Star Wars thing, this feels almost like, maybe even more of a Revenge of the Sith. Like, the lowest point. Because we've seen how mundane this evil has become which is almost scarier to me than a space wizard cackling and Darth Vader. It's just this idea of, as I said, being choked so slowly, they don't notice anymore.
1: Yeah, man. I- I've actually um, got that in my notes here, that I thought one of the main themes of this episode was the feeling of being trapped and isolated mm. and, then, and becoming part of the system, in a way. Um, obviously, the big one is that, Cassian's in a prison. Obviously, mm. he's trapped and he's isolated in there. But I think it's with all the other characters, this theme of, of Luthan feels like he's also trapped within this system and he has to do certain things. Mothma is definitely trapped within this system and feels isolated. Um, I also put here that I think the party is another type of prison mm. <laughs> going on here. And I think that's quite thematically relevant to what Andor's going through in Rogue One. Uh, this is the type of um, law canon connections that I like. It's thematically and and what I call emotional canon, where if you remember when Cassian gets um, and his g- and the guys get abducted by Saw's team, mm. um, and he's talking to um, what's his name again, Chira Imre the Donnie Yen's character, um, and he's like, "Oh, I've I've escaped from worse prisons than this." Mm. And, uh, and he says to him, well, there's more than one type of prison. I sense that you carry yours wherever you go. Mm. And I think that's so prevalent to what they're setting up here with this idea of being trapped in a system, being feeling isolated, and in this prison that you've constructed yourself, or maybe trying to get out of, but feel like you can't. Mm. And I feel like we're getting that with a lot of different characters uh, throughout the this episode.
0: Especially Mon Mothma, because I'm realizing that almost all our scenes with her it, it does feel like she's at one long party talking to the same stupid asshole senators oh, who are constantly oh, saying same, like, oh i'm here for the wine and all this oh i want to kill him oh. i hate them so much god uh,
1: should we talk about that party then
0: <laughs> let's talk I, about I, the parody
1: because i i love love that scene i think one of my favorite things about this the show so far has been all the stuff with mon mothma mm. uh, and i've been really enjoying like your guys commentary on it as well uh, especially, uh, and I agree with the United. I think it's uh, what a trajectory to be in Revenge of the Sith, <laughs> get cut out, <laughs> get, get made into an uh, get <laughs> made into an action figure <laughs> as well, uh, but not in the film. To then come back for a very short role in Rogue One, um, to now being a full, you know, thought out character. I think it's absolutely incredible what they've done with Mothma um, and. Um, I'll it, uh, uh, Genevieve, Genevieve O'Reilly yeah. w- what a wonderful performance and that's another thing I'll say just one of my favorite things about this whole show is the performances from all the actors. Mm. Everything is to the character that they're playing um, I like, well I love my archetypes you know I, because I, mm. I, I think archetypes play an important role within Star Wars and the, you know the idea of mythology and all that sort of stuff but I also like sometimes when they're not archetypes and they're characters we can really relate to on a boots on the ground sort of level I can relate to Luke thematically mm. and what he goes through but it's a, there's a there's a, there's a, there's a dis, you know, there's a bit of a barrier there between him and me but with Andor and some of the other people here there's real issues being explored, issues that I'm kind of going through, uh, issues that we're all going through in a way in this country and politically and socially and all of that sort of stuff that I can go, yes I'm dealing with the exact same thing um, and all the actors understand what their characters are, and I really oh, love it. Love all the ca- what they're doing here.
0: To 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 grossly misquote the boys, I almost want to call this show "Irish Gals Get It Done." <laughs> Irish Gals Get It Done. We got. Yeah, I just love seeing it. I saw. Um, the yeah, sign up. we
1: got uh, Fiona Shaw in there as well. yeah.
0: And and uh, Deidre Miro, Deidre uh, Miro, Denise Goh. She's yeah. a great Irish actress who I I need I need to look at more of her stuff because this is my first time seeing her it's like wow she just gets this imperial character so brilliantly so well so well we'll
1: we'll get into her because i I do have some thoughts about her and um you know um who do you root for in this show in a way (laughs) um well but back to mothma because i think she is the one of the few characters that the audience is like really rooting for in a way Mm. um because even with cassian i feel as if i'm rooting for you but you're also making decisions that i don't quite agree with (laughs) you know um but back to Mothma, um, what did you make of the whole the party thing and all this uh, politicking? And the reason that the the point of this is that so she can stall Palpatine's reach. I think she acknowledges that she can't stop it, but maybe like slow it down in a sense and get these votes. And Tay comes along. and uh, What do you think of all that sort of stuff?
0: Well, it's because int- of what she said last episode, where if she... Uh, the exact quote eludes me, but she's saying if she keeps being a public nuisance people won't realize what an actual threat she is because she's still working on getting her family funds in the background and yeah this stuff's just really great because it as you said it feels real because of well we've just got our was it third or fourth prime minister in a row no one voted for Mm. this idea of like well when is anything going to change um so yeah i love all that i love the smugness but i also love Something I really didn't expect. Because going in, I did think, okay, the Gilroy's involved, this will be more political. But we're getting a Star Wars family drama on a non-mythical scale like we're used to. This is, like, I'm pretty sure this daughter thinks that her mum is having an affair with this old childhood friend and this apathetic husband. And all this stuff I find really compelling. And I'm wondering, is this leading up to to be the Mon Mothma of the Rebellion? Mm -hmm. She is going to lose her... Her family, her immediate nuclear family, and I think that makes for a subject. That I always say, I think I've said every episode could be compelling enough to be its own Mon Mothma show. I love mm-hmm. that we've got it here because maybe it's not the easiest sell, the Mon Mothma show, to people who just know it as the character from Return of the Jedi who says the Boffins line. Yeah, but I love what we're getting here. It's just
1: oh, and and the thing is that, in a way, I can use as an answer to your previous question on is this show being is there limitations to the show? And I don't think there is because you have things like that. You have what's like, it's all under this central themes that uh, Tony Gilroy is creating, but each character is going through different elements and through different obstacles and stuff like that. So that's why I think the show, no, it doesn't have limitations because it's throwing a lot of different things at you and in all sorts of different pacings and environments and uh, different characters and how they react amongst each other. I think there's plenty within the show that... You know, can uh, just take a lot of boxes for a lot of people.
0: Here, hear. I did, um, this is a slight side note, but in my teaching job, I overheard one of the students in the morning asking other students, like, oh, have you have you seen the new Andor? And she replied, no, no. And he said, oh, this was when the eye was, had just come out. And he said, oh, you should watch it. Something finally happened. <laughs> that, just bit, that just cracked just me up. You know they're young, so I guess they're, like yeah, I, this I guess isn't this maybe isn't when you're a teenager, what no. you're looking for in entertainment. Cause I, it's, I know, not, Sam, it's
1: not for it's not for twelve year olds. this one. <laughs> maybe not.
0: I would like to think for a twelve year old watching this, this might be their gateway into like older fiction and spy stuff. Um, I always hope because obviously I think we're the same. way Star Wars opened up a lot of things to us. Like boy, I love of. Uh, uh, fantasy storytelling for me because I, I was mm-hmm. never like a, a swords and dragons fantasy kid but this opened it up for me in a lot of ways mm-hmm. And like
1: De- I, Death for me too and um, and my westerns as well, my love of westerns yeah. was open for this, yeah.
0: Westerns and um samurai films especially mm-hmm. for me, like the greatest thing I maybe ever credit George Lucas with was, for me personally, I mean is introducing me to Akira Kurosawa which I may have never have even heard of the man to this day, who knows where my life would have gone um friend of the show uh, <laughs>
1: I wish he was a friend yeah of the show. imagine no, getting him on so oh. what do you think of uh, Star Wars <laughs> <laughs> um well i, I wanted to get, uh, get back to mothma because the- there's something um, I wrote down here, some of like the pieces of dialogue they were they were they were talking about is incredible um and it really made me think of you know real life politics in a way and and what we're currently going through in the u k mm. in the u s and other countries around the world. And, and I want to put a little caveat here that, um, uh, this might get quite political, uh-oh. you know, uh, oh, <laughs> like we already haven't uh, ta- been making talked digs it. the whole way. Don't We've worry. been making digs the whole way. Um, I think, I just want to acknowledge cause I know for some people, you know, they come to star Wars for the escapism, for the fantasy, the mythology aspect of it, uh, the zip bang power adventure. And I appreciate that. I respect that. I love it too. That's one of the things I love about star Wars. Um, and you can choose not to engage with the political stuff. But I think with something like this, with Andor, it's shouting it at you and it's asking you to engage with it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think, it, I think some takes I've seen, I think it's very interesting. Some people's perspectives on this uh, and what they want from Star Wars story, maybe. Mm. Um, but if you're, <laughs> if you, you don't want to engage with the political stuff and you're still watching the show, I mean, God bless you. I, I don't know how you do it. Um, but I think some things here, when when they're talking about the, what's it called? The PO? The, the
0: Public Order Directive? Something yeah, like that? Yeah, some,
1: something like that. Yeah, it's got an anagram as yeah. well. But um, um when Mothma Smears, what does he mean? What is public order? Mm. You know, that very question I had to think about. I go, damn, man, the amount of times... Um, because you can literally, if you replace Palpatine, I could give hmm. you and ten other names I could put in there, and you go, "Yep, yep. What what do they mean when they're talking about public order?
0: Well, this is um, like leads back to George Lucas and the prequels. Is the Patriot Act? You know what is the emergency powers? You know <laughs> this is all exactly. stuff we thought about, and obviously it's the same character doing this. This is still good old Sheev. He's
1: behind the shadows doing it, but this time. He, he, it's not even really behind the shadows now because what they're kind of talking about here is right in their face. And, you know, they're talking about, we're talking about legislation here, not speeches. Like, you know, Palpatine's hiding behind maybe the speeches and the big words that we see a lot of modern politicians do. Well, not even modern, just politicians Hmm. in general. Um, And I, to follow on to that, um, when they talk about, um, and I've heard this, I've literally heard this piece of dialogue so many times in my life, right? From either... Um, authoritative figures or parents or anything else if you've done nothing wrong what is there to fear? Mm. Do you know what I mean? And then Mothman's response to that is I fear your definition of wrong Mm. and I thought that was so powerful because yes what is the definition of wrong is most troubling when who controls that definition of what's wrong in this case an evil space wizard you know which is not good for anyone Um, but thinking back on everything that's happened in our history really and what we're going through now who gets to decide what's wrong
0: it's very you know, interesting i, I yeah. love it i love it i love yeah. asking
1: these questions and stuff
0: like well i love it. i think the power of stories like this and what they can do because i know we talked about limitations earlier but this is, i think is the strength because star wars at its core is a binary story of good and evil where the characters literally get their magical powers from <laughs> their like morality always. it's 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 very funny but um but something like this can show you like well what what do real people do if that is your status quo how do they negotiate between this because it not everything can be good and evil (laughs) and there's this idea of like what is right what is wrong who gets to decide that i think this this isn't a show that's like Maybe, I don't know what to compare it to, like, you know, like, Clone Wars that introduces so many characters, races, all this. This feels to me more expansive than something like that, because it increases the scale of what can Star Wars be about in a lot of ways, because it goes into a lot of the nitty gritty, and I love that.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I I think, again, like, it's not doing anything that Star Wars hasn't done before. It's just, go, to go back to my uh, buffet um, allegory, uh, here, we, yeah. uh, here we go, um, they're just serving to, to you on a, a different plate. Do you know mm. what I mean? Like, instead of like a Sloppy Joe's, you've got a Deconstructed Sloppy Joe's. <laughs>
0: like, do you know what I mean? Deconstructed Sloppy Joe's.
1: Maybe that's a bad choice. That's but the worst
0: thing I've ever <laughs> That sounds so but disgusting. You,
1: but you know where, 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 am I, where I'm going uh, here. Like It's just been served to us differently. And oh,
0: seasoned maybe is seasoned oh, a little more, yeah, a yeah. little more, a
1: little more a little bit more spice, yeah, yeah, li- definitely a little bit more spice in there to make you go, oh, oh, yeah. I wasn't expecting that. That was interesting.
0: Oh, this woke me up.
1: <laughs> this woke me up, and I think it's you know, it, it's funny because we're what this is five years before a new hope, right? So, Clone Wars were fifty. 20? I th- no, I think it's it's nineteen years. Oh, 19, between, yes. Yeah, nineteen years between Sith and a New Hope. So it's been what fourteen, fifteen years. Um, the effects of the Clone Wars are still going on to this day, you know, and you can see it within the the, you know, when the in that party when they're talking about it. I think one of the senators, I'm paraphrasing, but he says, "Well, we know what happens when we don't have enough security mm. or enough order." You know, I think he's probably referencing Aldani, uh, but I also think that's more referencing what happened in the Clone Wars, you know? Yeah. And this lie that Palpatine fed to everybody of like the separatists are this evil organization they are going to take over and all this sort of stuff. Um, and it, it still makes me think about, again, modern politicians saying about immigration or people of color or minor ethnicities coming into their country and say, hey, look at this other that you need to be afraid of, because they're gonna come and take your jobs and do all these things, you know? Focus on this, because this is the only problem. This is what's gonna ruin our country. You should feel threatened by this. And then, you know, the p- it's all smoke screens, really, to, see, to blind the, the general public into thinking a certain way. And I love how, when the guy's saying that, and they're all talking about it, Mothma asks, like, but do you actually feel threatened? You know, or is it just what you've? Be, or are you just believing what you've been told to believe by um, Sheev?
0: <laughs> um I thought it was very striking based on what you're saying there. The very first shot of this episode is uh, a black man being processed into a prison. Uh, a lot, obviously, Cassian Andor as well is um, is it, it Mexican. Diego Mexican Lina? yeah Mexican, I don't yeah. mean the character is Mexican that would be a, a strange <laughs> <No>. lore anomaly <laughs> no yeah this is the one character from Earth well I thought like in that initial
1: shot I thought most of the yeah, people they, yeah. they were all from different cultures or ethnic minorities or I should say I should not say minorities um just ethnic people you know people
0: of color in Star Wars like everyone's kind of a minority the world is so well. the universe is so big yeah um, yeah no really Really juicy stuff. This is like a very difficult episode to discuss because we now by now we've got so many kind of storylines that are kind of tackling different things. Uh we haven't even talked about it from the more fascistic character's point of view yet. Because obviously we hop around to to Cyril at his desk job. Oh. Which which kills me. I love this character so much. I don't agree with anything he wants to achieve or do, but I find him a really great presence and very mm. entertaining.
1: Do you um I don't have it here. Do you have the actor's name?
0: I do so, not. I will um, just quickly do a Google. But I, I
1: just wanted to say about his performance. Like Kyle his, Soller. Kyle Soller. His neck and jaw muscles must be, wow, like at the end of like a day of shooting because he's really giving it, it all with like his posture and the way he, you know, the way he constructs his face and like that jaw sticking out and stuff. I'm like, I'm loving his performance. Hate the character. <laughs> like he's such a little neo-Nazi dweeb. <laughs> <laughs> um, especially it even really got to shine here his neo-Nazism when he was you know, talking to Miro about wanting to join the empire and stuff like that and I could be a valuable asset which again, I gotta give props to this show as well you know I don't like to compare too much to other shows or other properties but in uh, standard storytelling you know in that sort of moment you always get the person going alright kid y- you've got your shot yeah. and I-, I love that Miro is like Talk to me again, and I will torture you. <laughs> you know, it won't be me that you'll be speaking to. You know, like, it's a threat. And I love that they left it at that point. Like, Cyril's in the same position as he was before. Like, a, no advancement. Well, advancement to his character, but not to his plots. which I, I just think was really good.
0: I do love that he's also being reprimanded for, like, spamming emails, the, <laughs> <Yes>. the Imperial <laughs> equivalent. <laughs> I, yeah, the interaction between these two characters is great because these are the two because i i would assume they would meet uh i don't know why but i think it's in my head they're quite similar and you again yeah you do assume they would team up and obviously like when people are like this when this is the way they approach the world they would they wouldn't get along with anyone who like is similar to them because they're so competitive at the same time like this is just so such great villains i love because we've had it for a while. like I think we've always had some great Imperial characters. Uh, and sometimes they can err on the side of more buffoonish in like how their caricatures, the stiff upper lip kind of thing, mm-hmm. especially with our British ones. But I love that everyone in always, this... Always
1: is... thinking of... Um, what was I can't remember his title, but Ozzel from uh, Empire Strikes
0: Back. Admiral yeah. Ozzel. Yes. Admiral, that's it. Admiral yeah. Ozzel. Yes. Very funny. Very funny character. Rest in peace. Um, or not. <laughs> 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 but uh yeah just like the villains of the show i love how they've i think me and richard were talking about last week i love how they have Ularin is back and they've made him you know someone you're used to these space adventures and clone wars and he's like oh he's just like a oh, oh I, I can't even find a word to describe what an uh, unpleasant individual he is oh, to watch. just
1: that moment when Miro's like giving her her presentation and he's like I'm listening. Like you mm. <laughs> carry on then.
0: <laughs> but again, like I suppose like we we're talking about in Mol Moffman's parody, the the effects of the Clone Wars are still so fresh for him, a man who served maybe on more of the most important missions than any other civilian mm-hmm. per se. And so that has definitely warped his perception of the galaxy, especially Having to lie told to him that all the generals he worked with were actually part of a conspiracy to overthrow a republic.
1: Yeah, but I then li- even even in the Clone Wars, I always thought Yolaren was like just one step behind Tarkin in a way of like, it, like his sense of morality and you know what do the job, and he did some have some issues with the Jedi and how they operated things and stuff like that. So I'm not totally surprised that like this is where he. <laughs> Is, you know, it makes total sense. And he's in cahoots with Palpatine. You know, he's best buddies with him. So,
0: yeah, it's very funny. The Clone Wars in general is a show that (laughs) so many of the most evil people in the galaxy who came to be the most evil people in the galaxy were like the protagonists of the show aimed at very young people for years. There's a very funny old, I don't remember the comedian, but he had a whole bit about how his son was watching and loving Clone Wars but never watched the Star Wars films. And his son would always be asking, him, "Was like, oh, I love, I love Anakin and Rex. They're going to be friends forever, and all this." And no, he's like, "Oh, no. <laughs> how do I tell my son what happens? <laughs> yeah. Do I what? Do I play Revenge of the Sith for him now, or <laughs> not while he's still a youngling?" No. Um, so yeah, I suppose now we're in a nice period. We can bounce between like any episode specifics we want to talk about. Uh, Jake, I know you've got some extensive notes, so maybe we can see, like, where we align.
1: Uh, yeah, well, um, I guess to maybe stick to the Mothma sort of topic of it all, um, I found it really interesting, uh, the little detail about uh, Mothma's supposed, and I put question mark, arranged marriage.
0: Oh, I do have that in my notes, yes. Mom yeah, Mothma's uh, arranged teenage marriage. Yeah,
1: I found that really interesting. You know, the way... Um, it was, you know, very traditional of Chandrilla and all of that sort of stuff. And, um, and I got the idea within that conversation, like from Perrin, as I, I like to say his name, like Perrin, you know, like what a, what a guy, douche this guy is. Yeah. Um, but just like, I get the feeling from him that he really resents her in a way mm. for moving away from Chandrilla, you know, moving to Coruscant because she wanted to be a senator. You know, that's the vibe I got from this very fractured relationship, um, and I wonder if because I also got the vibe between Perrin and Tay that there's some history there as well. Mm. You know, and I ca- I don't know. This is all speculation, headcanon sort of stuff that maybe uh, Mon and Tay were like s- sweethearts at one point, sort of thing, and then oh, they should have ca- been. Or they should have been, mm. and pairing comes in with, and with all this arranged marriage sorts of stuff.
0: Very period drama, which I enjoy.
1: Very period drama. It creates all this friction and drama and stuff like that. Um, I just wonder if there's more to that story. Um, because. But again, I don't need more of the story. Mm. I just find, it again, it's, it's a testament to the acting and the dialogue that they're giving off the tip of the iceberg of what this sort of past could be. But there's enough there for you to totally understand the dynamic of their relationship.
0: Mm. That's an especially brutal line, Mon Mothma says, uh, where they're all talking with a husband and the drinks. And she says, oh, I remember Perrin used to be the Academy Firebrand. How things have changed. How <laughs> things have changed. It's like, ooh. Look you... at you now. Just <laughs> If you've ever been at a party with a couple and you can tell they're probably going to break up soon. That's the kind of icy atmosphere. It's like, oh, God, I don't want to be in this conversation. This is not for me.
1: Yeah. It's, Very uh, well extre- observed. Uh, yeah, extremely awkward. Um, I also I did really like um, uh, Tay's <laughs> comment to Perrin, charity begins at home. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's just such a sick burn from Tay.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, it's... Oh, but... Re- um,
1: but yeah, what, what do you think of that whole sort of arranged marriage deal? And, and then, because the, you brought it up earlier, the fact that I think uh, her daughter's going to cause her some problems. Um, her thinking that she's having an affair of some kind. Uh,
0: yeah, very very uncomfortable because this is something that's I don't think has ever been broached in Star Wars before, this idea of like or maybe it has like arranged marriages, but especially to characters who in our universe, or in, at least in our kind of the Western society we live in would be considered far too young for it. Mm. And it is a thing historically, of course, you know, don't need to get into it. I don't need weird Twitter guys telling me stuff.
1: Even, even, not even historically, even today, there are some countries that, you know, arrange marriages at very young age.
0: Yeah. I just mean for like where we are. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Literally. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, very, but... I suppose it is one of those things that opens Star Wars up of like, oh, yes, these societies can be as different and as varied in their customs as we are on Earth. Uh, At the same time, I did find it very uncomfortable as something to come up. This was the one that was, I think, the one comment in it that made me feel like, oh, maybe it's too early for Andor this week. (laughs) Let's
1: talk about adultery this week. <laughs>
0: yeah, adultery I can watch all day. I love that stuff in TV. Not in real life, I suppose. <laughs> in case of, I, uh, my <laughs> parent never listens can... to this. <laughs>
1: oh, I love adultery. I love it's cheating great. on my girlfriend. Oh, it's
0: great. Oh, ho, ho. Lads, lads, lads. Football, football, football. I don't know. Um, oh, dear. <laughs> moving on. Uh, I suppose I, I wanted to bring this up because this was the the biggest surprise. Because I, I think last week I was saying to Richard, like, the kind of idea of the fan service cameo in this show is more like, oh, that great actor has suddenly appeared. I didn't know what in the show.
1: We we talking about Saul
0: Guerrero? Uh, oh, no, we've got one before that. We've got uh, the circus came back to town. Oh,
1: of course, of course. Y- circus, yes. Um, as, as I've got here written in my notes, somehow Snoke has returned. <laughs>
0: and I don't know. I don't want to. You know what? People are doing that. They're doing the, the articles of... Is this related to Snoke?
1: Oh my god. And you know,
0: have fun with it if you want, but please don't expect a single thing, because it's... I'd say 99.9% nothing to do with Snoke. This is just a really great actor of our times getting to play another character. (laughs) Please. Which is,
1: I actually also kind of find it funny that now with Andy Serkis, Andor has two actors that have been in previous Star Wars projects. So you know the guy who plays uh, Tim Carlo? Yes. uh, uh, He plays an X-wing pilot in The Force Awakens. Oh. Uh, And and he's got a couple of lines of dialogue as well. Um, So I just find it funny that now we have two people from Force Awakens in Andor.
0: (laughs) I I thought you were going to say we've now got two cast members of the Batman in Andor because we had the. Oh yeah, we had that 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 one cop who said shit. Uh, Uh,
1: Well, I'm hoping. Jeffrey Wright pops up. That'd be nice.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, I'm always happy to see Jeffrey Wright pop up in pretty much anything. Yeah. So the time should come. Uh, yeah, it's great to see Andy Circus. I had that moment in the morning where I heard you hear his voice before you see him. And I, poked, I was like, oh, who's that? Because once you've heard Andy Circus not playing a golem or a King Kong, once you've actually heard the man speak, he's, he's very distinctive sound. Mm-hmm. So, and I was... I had forgotten that he was in the first Black Panther, which I need to rewatch before the new one as well. It's Just arguably
1: like, the, arguably one of the best things about that film.
0: Oh right, uh, yeah, I love, yeah, he's he's great. I
1: love Andy Serkis. I think he's such an underrated actor.
0: He is. I think uh, I think the times are catching up to how good he is because now he's playing a lot more like primary roles and things without motion capture. And that's not me mm. putting down motion capture because it's an incredible tool. Uh, and I shouldn't say tool. Uh, what do you say? Like art, art, uh, paintbrush, woven paint tool. Brush. Yeah, hey, it's, it's a tool, it tool,
1: paintbrush. Whatever, whatever your opinion on it is.
0: Yeah, and um, amazing to see him. Just like a much higher caliber, like kind of actor cameo than I was expecting. Because mm-hmm. we, everyone who's kind of come up before is like from a TV show I already love. <laughs> Bizarrely, I've been on a streak with yeah. that.
1: Yes, especially because like the the role he's playing. I can't see him appearing in many other episodes. Do you know what I mean? Like-
0: well, he appears in episode seven. He appears in episode eight. He's Snoke, Jake. Oh, oh God. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, for a You thought I was saying saying that made sense.
1: Yeah, I was like, wait, did he appear in seven? <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, yeah, no, really great. And um, it's very funny. In this episode so far, we've actually barely spoken about the prison, really,
1: mm, uh, which is, yeah.
0: of course, oh. The majority of the episode, I will say it's my one kind of black mark against the episode is just because it's got to set up the prison. I am one of my favorite things in film or TV is a prison break. I love a well-organized prison break. It's like a heist. It's like a train robbery. Just these things that are so intrinsically exciting to me. So the fact that this one had to do again like like the old Danny Arc. The this setup. one yep. has to do the setup. I'm like, oh no, a, a whole week till I can see like, and I don't. The next I, step I, I, is it?
1: Is it a, another three episode arc? This one, so we well, we might not actually get the breakout until two weeks. Actually,
0: I don't know because I feel like. It, the irony is, of course, the Empire are now looking for Cassian Andor and they already yeah. have him, which I think is so <laughs> yeah. exciting this is, like, such a great ticking time bomb element to it as well mm-hmm. because as soon as they start coming for him he's cornered uh, juicy stuff, so maybe that'll be like, if this is a free part, that'll happen at the end of the next episode it'll be, like, uh, very, like, Argo when they start, have you ever seen oh, that? Yeah. Yep, when they yep, start yep, putting like, great together film, yeah. the scraps of paper and they realise, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah.
1: Well I I, I did think I think we are you know I think it was very subtle in the way it was setting up a prison break um because I think one thing I've noticed about um Cassian in this show more than Rogue One uh, he's a very perceptive man. Mm. You know, he like you know when the Aldani stuff where he says well you're left-handed so you should you know d- be sh- uh, stand this way and stuff. Um I noticed as he was going through the prison like he was looking at things, paying attention to things, and I also thought they spent far too much time um on that little scene of um the guy saying, "Well, where is this guy? He's late for the delivery?" and mm. you know i th- I don't know. Is it me or did they spend way too much too long on that scene for it to be nothing?
0: no, because I think I, you're you're right, and I'm with the sign language in the halls, that's that, a whole yeah. thing
1: that's a whole thing, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I thought it was really subtly done, like, the, the the eventual breakout. But at the same time, I think it's really well done because I'm like, I'm like, I have no idea how he's going to get out of this, <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah, no, it's... oh, And also, because I know... Uh, I think I was talking about it with Laura a few episodes ago when uh, the the guy from The Bear, because I'm going to forget his acting oh, name again, yes. sorry. Yep. But when he's talking us a harrowing fake story about his brother's suicide. And I was like, oh, okay, so that's not a real, like thing they're really tackling in Andor then is that particular thing, and then this will we just get an outright brutal self-electrocution uh, yeah, tough
1: it's, stuff it's really tough stuff, I thought um, like le- leading up to the prison I, the, the first sort of theme I got of this was like the, and they've already sort of touched on it before in Andor, but the police brutality element of it with the shore troopers, yeah. you know as they were all lining up and you're like, don't even look at me sort of thing, you know mm. And I thought, really unsettling stuff from the beginning, uh, which I was really gutted because I was like, oh, man, I love shore troopers and they turn out to be Uh, a-holes.
0: you know, because I just really like the design. Oh, you think you know a trooper.
1: Yeah. I just love the design of the shore trooper. I think it's really cool. It Um, is great.
0: I love as well that, uh, to go back to the very start of the episode, that location they're at, getting onto the the, the carriers to the prison. I wonder where that was because that's just like, it looks real world. I imagine they did find a great location. And
1: it look it almost looks like um an old school like auditorium, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I was thinking so, that. I'd love to yeah.
0: know where that is. Yeah, that'd
1: be cool. Well, they did do most of the shooting in the UK, so we'll see. Maybe yeah. we, we, we can find that out. But um yeah, I thought it started. <laughs> no wonder you find
0: this show so depressing. It's, <laughs> it's, in, like, it's all in the UK. <laughs> no, it's like looking um, out our <laughs> window speaking of Bob <laughs> Hoffman. You're like, oh yeah, look <laughs> at this.
1: Um and then f- from there we get to the really big stuff about um, prison reformation mm. uh, and what they were going through, and uh, to you know to go along with the and or on Lorians of recommending other stuff that isn't Star Wars. Um, I would like to recommend a documentary because as I was watching this episode and seeing the prisoners, you know the way it's all played out. Right, you're going there because we think you're fit for this labor, and then you get that uh, wickedly evil. You know, um, imperial uh, coming to greet them and says oh, you've yeah. been labelled for for free labour and all this sort of stuff. Uh, and I immediately thought of the documentary Thirteenth by Ava ah. DuVernay, mm. uh, which I believe is on Netflix. Um, and because I just want to say, like, if if this type of thing horrifies you as a as a viewer, seeing prisoners being sent off for labour, you know, for for you know. Uh, basically basically slave labor essentially you should be horrified because it happens in real life and I implore anyone um, to, if they want to learn more about this stuff and it is very unsettling um, to watch the documentary 13th by Ava DuVernay uh, because it's a real eye opener and it's stuff that really happens in our world Um, that was the element of this episode that I was most taken aback by Of like because it's also again not in your face. It's sort of like if you know, you know. Mm. Um, And unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, I'm one of those people that knows about this sort of stuff. Um, And I struggled with it in the sense of, wow, I did not. This is deep stuff. Really, real world tragedies that are happening. Mm. Um, And again, I hats off for the team for going there with this. I couldn't believe it. And there's a big emphasis as well on the feet and the shoes yeah. and stuff like that. And obviously it's for a practical story thing, for zapping them and the conductors and all that sort of stuff. But again, if you're one of these people that knows this stuff, um, this you know this could be... I understand if you want to back out now, but I just say that there was times during the World War II and um, during the Cold War in the Soviet era where nazis and soviets as a way of demeaning people one of the first things they would do is take off their shoes and get them to walk barefoot around the place and it's seen as a way of just taking things from you taking your comforts taking your luxuries Uh, so i thought that was quite powerful that they kept on showing those feet you know those shots of the feet I'm not saying Tony Gilroy has a foot fetish or anything like that. Not like uh, I, Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, <laughs> I, I
0: am annoyed you had such a profound thought on that because when I saw the episode, I just thought, ooh, Tarantino would like this, ooh. Uh, uh,
1: I did think that as well. But I just wanted to make a point. I think that is something really powerful of what they've done in this episode. Really going there with the, pl- uh, the prison reformation angle and stuff like that, I think really, really good stuff
0: i find it really interesting as well because this is something i talked to darren quite a bit about um not not on the episode specifically but in general about star wars is the idea of like well this prison they're forcing to do manual labor and we're this is a universe where droids can do this so easily so the fact they're making them do this is just pure malice (laughs) like this is not an effective way for the empire to make things and for all we know the stuff they're making might just be shipped out and dumped and this is just like a horrendous mind game to to dehumanise these people to make them into machines
1: turn it into a game
0: turn it into a game as we say yeah. not as we say as they say in the <laughs> thing sorry <laughs> uh, uh, I do have a, a stupid thought this was an intrusive thought as well when we first get to the prison and we saw all the guards wearing those, those shoes I got very excited because I thought we were going to have uh, an homage to the classic film Face Off have you seen oh. Face Off? Uh, yes, I have. Where they're in the, the magnet boot prison. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, ooh, magnet boots. I know, it turned out to be a much simpler and probably easy to film alternative. But... Yeah, more like
1: conductor boots than <laughs>
0: magnet boots. Yeah, I am a sucker <laughs> for a magnet boot. So um, Plus, yeah, uh,
1: It was kind of weird, though, because those boots, in a way, took me out of the tone of the show because yeah. they were so large and colourful and ridiculous but it kind of worked as well
0: they do look like the shoes from uh, Back to the Future 2 the self-fastening ones oh yeah, like yeah. A, uh, yeah I want to so... get those
1: at Galaxy's Edge <laughs>
0: <laughs> there's loser plots like oh, we're Back to the Future merch as well <laughs> why not <laughs> um, just checking through my notes as well um, I suppose we could talk about the. I I think this was well known before the show started out, Saw Guerrero was going to make an appearance of some description.
1: Well, he was in the trailer.
0: Oh, was he? I, I <laughs> yeah. you know me, I, I stop watching trailers at a certain yeah. points, so yeah, I forget he, what's in the trailer. He, he was in the trailer, not... yeah. Oh, okay. but it's
1: funny because he, the 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 moment he has in the trailer, it's a great moment, and I was really looking forward to it. And I was thinking, oh, maybe Saw only has one scene or something like that, mm. um, and we'll get more of him in season two. But um, no looks like we're going to get a few more scenes, which... Uh, and I, I actually wanted to ask you about this, Niall, before we get into my thoughts, because you know what I'm going to say about Saw. Um, I wanted to ask you, because you've... If I'm correct, you've always kind of struggled with the character of Saw
0: Gerrera? Not, not strictly true, because no. I actually... I do... Well, I have no real thoughts on him in Clone Wars, because he's not, like... He's not that much of a fleshed-out character. That's more of, like, ar- archetype stay. You know, mm-hmm. it's like... His sister is the big freedom fighter. He's the kind of hothead brother and whatever. Uh, Rogue One, I find that it's... I don't find him a character in Rogue One you can really grasp in the time he's in it. Because mm-hmm. by that point, he's so far gone along like his character history that I think I think there's some problems with maybe the reshoots there because we, we don't really get an idea of his connection to Jin because we don't see them together at that point. It's all a bit messy. Um, we have an episode on Rogue One, if if folks want to hear <laughs> uh, our thoughts on that film. Uh, but I do actually really like him in Rebels and Fallen Order and and, and this, of course, mm. because I love that I I never expected in Star Wars I'd get Forrest Whitaker and Stellan Skarsgård to sit down and have a discussion about space rebel politics <laughs> yeah, it's uh, good stuff, man. really good i love that dynamic of uh oh it was you no it was oh, you as i asked what like, you would say
1: that's such a fun game they were playing at the beginning and again like i also thought that forest whitaker he's still the same character like, it's the same sort of performance uh he still got that bit of crazy in him like hmm. you just don't know whether he's gonna scowl or just laugh at any moment
0: it seems uh, like the seeds are there so when yeah. you watch this leading to rogue one you can see how he's became like so paranoid but when you listen to him in this even though he is obviously you know quite paranoid a little on the edge what he's saying does make sense hmm. i was like you know i kind of get you and it was nice to see uh what's his name uh i'm gonna guess his name like tonto two tubes
1: <laughs> uh yeah i actually got it written down oh brilliant uh, uh benthic two tubes there we go benthic tutor for a great star wars name
0: and just great design just
1: yeah a really really cool design um yeah the
0: i was not expecting
1: to see saul guerrera in in this episode at all you know mm. so w- w- when um and i thought and there was no hint at him coming i thought it was really well done like the reveal because you know stellan stellan <laughs> luthan uh, arrives at the the planet you know and you're like oh where's he going and then you see old two tubes and you're like, ah, here we are. We're going to see Saw. Um, and I thought it was really, really interesting, their discussion. Mm. Because, um, especially from Luther because Luther up until this point has been a very character of like, well, this is the cost. You know, people will mm. die sort of thing. Um, he's, he's almost butting heads with Mothma in a sense of what has to be done and what the cost is. And I always thought a lot of what he's saying, he's kind of lying to himself. Mm. You know, he's just telling Mothma this, but really he's also telling himself this. Um, He's saying these things, but I actually do think he does care about people and people's Mm. lives, maybe more so than Saw, because he's asking Saw for like an attempt of, you know, an attempt for unity, for everything to, he's saying, we're not going to all do this, whatever, I can't remember what he says, whatever our ideal is of victory, it's not going to be by any one person sort of thing. Mm. Paraphrasing, but it's along those lines sort of thing. And I thought that was really interesting, coming from Luthen saying that to Saw Guerrero and then Saw being who he is, um, came up with some really great like guerrilla <laughs> uh, party names. Um, mm. What? It, so he says the separatists. Then he also has the Neo Republicans, mm-hmm. which I thought was kind of cool. Uh, partisan Alliance Sectorists. Human cultists, <laughs> 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 and then the galaxy partitionists.
0: Was it like um, the Gorma something or the Dorman? Yeah, the go-
1: the Gorman front. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The go- which is a, it's, which links to what Mothma was talking about a couple of episodes about the Gormans and how oh. they're all suffering at the minute over there and stuff like that. Um, so I think it's really interesting that Luthan's coming to Saw. With this sort of proposal of you know teaming up with this Krieger guy mm. um, who was a separatist and all this sort of thing,
0: apparently very dumb or what was it? Or the saw so had some comment about him.
1: Oh yeah, he had. He was an old fool or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, something <laughs> along those lines. But yeah, um, I thought it was just really interesting what they're doing here with this character and and you know I've always been a big fan of the Saw character just because of his eccentricity in Rogue One and. How far he's <laughs> kind of fallen when you look at him in Clone Wars to Rogue One, um, so I like seeing the seeds of it here, uh, and maybe this is probably the my most enjoyed performance of mm. Saw that I've seen in Star Wars so far. Definitely, I just thought, yeah, it just had a lot of nuance and depth to it, and I think uh, that
0: is my problem with him in Rogue One because Forrest Whitaker is an incredible actor. And because in that he only really gets to be this very broad, crazy version of the character, like Forrest Whitaker, give him like juicy lines and things to really sink into. And oh my God, like, have you seen The Last King of Scotland? No, I haven't seen it. Playing one of history's greatest monsters. And it's just such an incredible film. He mines so much depth out of it. And I'm not saying Saw is one of history's greatest monsters, but I mean, they're making him more of a character with. Uh, just a lot more layered. And I think this conversation is definitely like mm-hmm. done a lot for me, especially seeing him actually like having a laugh at the start. was <laughs> <It's>, like <laughs> yeah. very humanizing.
1: Having a drink there as well. They yeah, like yeah. having a good drink.
0: i have, um, have a drink with Saw. Yeah, why not? Yeah. He pre- gives you some me. things. Yeah, well, he
1: gave you some things to talk about first. Um, mm. Gullet. Um, <laughs> he's, he's just chilling out the back. Um, no, I, I found it also a kind of interesting where Saw was coming from. You know, when he says, I am the only one with a clear purpose, you know, that sort of thing. And I kind of think, are you, though? Mm. Like, are you? Because if you've been doing this since the Clone Wars, what, what are your results? Mm. Where are, are you still? Like, I get, obviously, for practicality reasons, you have to hide out in a cave and stuff like that. But you're literally, it's you're not moving forward. Mm. You are stuck in the same position as you were then. And that's what I think Luthan is trying to say to him. Like, you're not going to win this fight the way that you've been fighting at the minute.
0: I think it's telling that Saw is not a character who's ever intended to like live into the original trilogy timeline because like his way of warfare isn't the way forward. He has his place in the story, but I think it's I think they're making a very distinct point that his kind of borderline terrorism angle is not like the kind of, it's not the way. It's not the spark that will ignite the fire that no, will burn exactly. down the empire. To misquote and, Last Jedi.
1: Yeah, and but to tie into what you said earlier about you know the good versus evil thing, like I think this show is definitely offering a more nuanced way of looking good versus evil. Um, like it's not as simple as the ideology of good versus evil, but I do think it's still very much cementing what is morally good and what is morally bad. Mm. You know, there's still a side, and I think there is a clear distinction on what that side is. Yeah, there's there is. I just don't think it's as simple as saying it's gray. If mm. you know what I mean?
0: No, I get you. I've never liked, especially you know, the gray Jedi stuff. Oh, the I, old hate you. I hate I hate that get concept. Get out of town. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. good for video games. That's it. <laughs> yeah, because people Jedi want to use Force Lightning, and I get it. It's cool, but
1: it's a cool thing. But just be a Sith then. Yeah, you know? leave it to like, the Sith. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: That's what I really like, slight aside, about, you know, um, seeing a, a Rise of Skywalker introduced. I know it is a thing from, like, older you, but the the idea of force healing is something you can do when you are, like, a good force user because it's, like, the opposite of destruction, of healing. You know, I thought that was really good. Um, yeah, weird tangent. But I, like, I want to give the Jedi a power too, is my point, because electricity is dope. Uh, To backtrack us slightly... Cool, cool. Just cool. talking about Lufin because the scene before Saul Guerrero, we get this amazing scene. Maybe my favorite in the episode of him talking to his assistant, and this uh, I don't clear, know... clear, clear. Which,
1: uh, clear, which I don't
0: trust. Yeah, well, it's good not to trust anyone in a show like. Well, this, no, but
1: no, no. Well, I, I, think it's good. It's good that I don't trust her. Yeah, yeah I think you know, yeah, but um, because you know she's very ideological. Yeah, do you know what I mean? And and I think another big thing. Within this show, is that is it personal for you or is it ideological? Yeah. Because um, I think we've seen that. Um, I can't believe we haven't spoken about uh, Vel and Sintra yet. Because uh, I think there's that's a lot a, in the episode, Jake. There's a lot in the episode. Because I think, you know, we see it here with Claire being very ideological, Lutheran being very personal about it. It's like, oh, Andor and all this sort of stuff. Mm. You see it with Vel and Sintra. Um, very unsure what to make of uh, Miro. Is it Miro? yeah Miro uh, Deidre Miro oh. um, where I think it's kind of a bit of both ideological but also personal so I think there's a really big thing going on here about who's doing what and wh- mm. where, where they stand uh, but, and I and I don't to go back to my original point I don't trust Claire there's just something about her that's uh, almost Saw-like you know get the yeah. job done at whatever cost
0: well it's funny because I was going to say I, I'm going to risk sounding very pretentious here but I hope I hope uh, the listeners will indulge me, but this scene when Lufin is you know talking about his doubts and his fears, and uh, and his assistant is like telling him get on with it, commit. It's it's like Macbeth. It's like Shakespearean. He's having this like this aside almost, and she's like Lady Macbeth being like commit to this, delete this now, stop this line. Uh, I was it's more just me like praising like the writing and performances by Son Day, but oh, I love this dynamic. I love lufin to me is almost because he's such a high caliber actor in my eyes his whole character is almost like a a statement on what acting is because he's a different person whenever he's around someone else and i think that's saying that him and cassian have in common they're always like going by different well lufin's always using the same name but he's got so many angles to him and cassian is always pretending to be someone else and that's what's Making the hunt for him so engaging. K- Keith, in this episode. Keith, yes, which is my name on the chat at the moment. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Space Keith. Like,
1: the Space Keith. Like I can imagine them. Right. Like, let's come up with a really generic name, like Keith. Yeah. And let's make
0: it spacey. Spacey. <laughs> Space Keith.
1: Space Keiths. So that's K W E F. It's great. terrible.
0: Having finally being called Keith. Right. Grief cargo. A grief Cargo uh, Cargo cargo would be way worse. Uh, yeah, no, I just wanted to give, I think every episode I've just taken a moment for, for Mon Moffat and Sean Skarsgård. It's like, what a great ensemble we've got. Like, there's no mm. no storyline when we dip into, I'm like, oh God, now this, you know? There's no characters no. I'm bored by at all. And you know what? That is
1: an incredible feat for mm. any TV show to do. Absolutely, it, yeah. it's very difficult when you have multiple storylines and you know, I'm a big fan of uh, the ri- the Amazon's, the rings of power. But even there I was like, there's a couple of storylines that I didn't vibe with as much as some of the others. I was always more like, Oh, when are we going to get back to this or that for the Republic um,
0: of Ireland? I will remain silent. You will remain some silent. Of those um,
1: <laughs> yeah. I know where you're coming from. <laughs> I'm, I'm, <laughs> not, I'm <laughs> just having a giggle. <laughs> yeah. um, but I don't have that here with Andor. Mm. I'm invested in every single storyline. Um, oddly enough, if there was one that I am least interested in, it is kind of the Cassian, <laughs> 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 I, which is is it's mean to say. And that's not to say it's bad. It's just that I think I'm slightly more engaged with like the Luthen and the Mothma stuff than what Andor's going through. But I am still fully on board with uh, Andor's journey.
0: Well, do you know why? I, I think that's interesting. I've been thinking about that as well because I, I do like the Cassian story, but he's probably the least proactive out of the characters. He is someone who doesn't want to be proud of it, who actively wants to like be on a beach somewhere with a babe, you know, like, like we saw him on the Amos. So it, this show is about what will push him to finally become a rebel. So I think that does work. You can't ignore the fight. It's it's. Yeah. Th-
1: but they're saying everything is because everything is happening because of him mm. as well. Because like when he's in the prison and he's talking to the other prisoners about, oh, they've up, they've doubled our sentences, um, because of this new order act sort of thing, um, which has only happened mm. because of Cassian's involvement in the Aldani thing. You know, and and even goes back to when he goes back in last week's episode when he goes back to Ferex uh, and Bix is saying. You need to get out of here. Everybody hates you. <laughs> you know? Everybody blames <laughs> everybody blames you for what happened and the crackdown of the empire and stuff like that. Um, so as much as Cassian changes his name or mm. tries to hook up with a babe in space, <laughs> Florida or space Blackpool, um, you can't escape the fight, man.
0: <laughs> I think that's something that's really helped. Like uh, like we said, keeping these storylines none of them boring is they are all like very in like very clearly connected everyone is kind of trying to do the same thing or they're talking about the same stuff but we just get like so many different angles on it i suppose you know like um well like rings of power just for example where like some characters are on another island doing their own thing and then some characters are in the field with a weirdo who came from a comet and they're not all like at the same pace of energy Mm -hmm. whereas this has become like a manhunt show the good guys "Quote unquote," are looking for Cassian. The bad guys are looking for Cassian, and everything else that's happening is a result of that, or the people who are responsible for putting Cassian into that heist. It's so tight. It's like really shockingly good. This show. I know it's, that, it's, this. It's is going to become the most boring podcast ever because every episode, I'm like, this is so good. But but that's what can thing. I but do? Like, can I lie? It,
1: but similar to to what you said before, and Dave. I struggle to find any criticisms about the show. Yeah. You know, there might be, oh, a shot here or there didn't quite work. But, you know, that's really nitpicky stuff, you know. Yeah. I have to really dig deep to – because it's, it's just what a great show. And though the first thing that I normally always say every week as soon as the show finishes, that me and my girlfriend look at each other and we go – this is such
0: a good show. <laughs>
1: like, you, know, you, you know that moment yeah. where you're just both on the same wavelength. You're like, what, a, what did we just watch? Incredible stuff.
0: The little, little like, filmmaking thing I loved. I loved how they, before the text told you, they showed like the passage of time at a time lapse of Cassie in that jail by him like knowing how to operate that stuff. The, the food tube, which is so gross, oh, and the plate so... that hooks on the wall turns my stomach. I love it. Oh,
1: and i i love the little detail as well that they play for taste yes. and the flavor i was like oh that's that is proper oppression right there <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh brutal brutal stuff Bru- brutal stuff uh, yeah i think i've kind of cleared through the bulk of my notes mm-hmm. uh any any last kind of things you want to throw in before we go to our question segment because uh, we got some juicy stuff there. Let's
1: have a look. I think we've covered most of my thing. Oh yeah, one thing I did want to kind of bring up is um, is Miro, because oh, yes. um, I find it. I find she's a really fascinating character um, and her trajectory going forward. Because uh, especially in this episode, I felt I felt as if nobody had any forward momentum except her. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Nobody got to where they wanted to be where they said they wanted to go at the beginning of the episode, they're still in the same position, Um, except for Miro. And I think there's something really interesting, what they've done with this character, where you know her ideology, you know she's a bad guy, but you're rooting for her at the same time because she's also going through a lot of issues in the workplace, (laughs) you know? Um, I think it's kind of really upfront that there's this uh, message of you know sexism in the mm. workplace. You know, there's, there's a, it's quite clear that she's the only woman in that circle of old dudes. You know, in the ISB, and that she's having to fight to get her voice heard and stuff like that. And I, I it's and it's the the idea of is it personal? Is it ideological? I think it's really fascinating with her because I think she's coming at it from both angles. I think she truly believes in the empire. And what the empire stands for, and all that sort of stuff, but I also think there's an element of like I just want to do the best that I can do. She's already had one one over on Blevin, um, and now she's ha- trying to do one on, on a bigger scale, you know, impress Lara yeah. and stuff, all that sort of stuff. What do you think of Miro? Because I find her fascinating, and how she's a villain, but you're kind of rooting for her.
0: She's like a Nazi girl boss. Yeah, I, say, I imagine she's like. I don't want to root. I don't want to root for the Nazi,
1: but you know, you, you're making it difficult not to root for her. You know what I mean? Well, it's
0: it's tricky because there was a show. What was the show? Um, there's a, a slight aside. There's a character from like Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul called Mike Ermintrout. Trout. He was a really interesting guy because he's like a professional assassin, but he's got like quite this following because it's really satisfying to watch him work. And they call it, uh, like fans of the show call it efficiency porn. Because this character is so good at what he does and so calm and controlled. Watching him is like watching a master chef very gently making a beautiful meal. And I think that is something that please insist, Because we, I think we kind of get a slight connection. Because we've seen her doing her homework. And she's like working really hard. Taking and even, space aspirin. Yeah, and even though she's like doing something that we don't want to happen specifically, well, we do for drama, but we don't want her to find Cassie and all this. Watching someone, like, work that hard and so on, it's why I cannot watch The Great British Bake Off. (laughs) because uh, 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 i love the analogy (laughs) because i watch people trying so hard to bake these things and i'm a terrible cook i can't make food and then it all falls apart but not just that but even if they come last just because it's like oh it was a bit disappointing that creme brulee i'm like oh my heart i can't take that they work so (laughs) hard (laughs) please paul hollywood be nice uh that was a rambling answer but i think that is why because we are watching someone do their homework, a lot of the time mm. we don't get to see again the nitty gritty of how, how, what does an imperial manhunt look like? How do they find sources? How do they find leads? How does it work? And I think that's what we're getting to see, and that's what is so fascinating.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's and especially uh, your Lauren's comment where they are like, "Well, that's going to cost a lot to do." <laughs> it's all about cost. Uh, it's all which about I budget. Find, yeah, yeah, which I find fascinating because that's kind of what it's again it's. Um, the emotional can and thematic command into the Bad Batch, mm. you know, and how Tarkin was like, oh, well, we can't keep paying for clones. This is really expensive. Like, We've we got to recruit people now, you know. <laughs> I love that it's so... This tyrannical empire ru- ruled by an evil space wizard can also be incredibly mundane. I mm. love it. I just love it. And then as, you know, you guys have said plenty, all the pompous british imperial actor stuff is it, just i love pompous british imperials i don't know what it is i really don't know what it is but i just love these guys and um we've got grant you know the grand maester imperial over, over there uh, what's uh, what's his um, name partagas oh
0: partagas yes
1: partagas great name as well great um great character too i like that he's
0: become like he's the one sticking up for in meetings now he's like oh you know i believe her. you know yeah
1: yeah it's interesting and i also like his line of like the little we know is troubling yeah
0: (laughs) oh great stuff um oh oh damn i I thought of something i was going to bring up there and it's just gone out of my head
1: oh well the only one last little thing uh, to bring up is uh the character melshi which is, um, you know, one of the the guys. Oh, in is it the old guy? No, no, no. Um, the one that Andy Circus says, "Hey, I was t- told you just knock it yeah. off." You know, he was he was telling Cassian. He oh, seems yeah. like he remembers Cassian's name or Keith's name. Um, that guy, as soon as I saw him, I was like, "Hey, it's Melshi." He is in Rogue One. Oh, really? He is one of the commanders in the main battle of Scarif. Oh, that's he, really. He goes. Funny. He, he goes off with Cassian when you know they say to Jane and, "Oh, you can't go." he's one of the guys that takes
0: um i recognized the actor i was like oh it's him that's really interesting i think that might be a hint of a possible prison break posse
1: well yeah that's what i thought immediately i was like well he's getting out with him then (laughs)
0: yeah the old guy on their crew uh i saw this online earlier he was previously in tim burton's batman as one of the one of the two goons batman stops at the start who mugged that family is it? Yeah, I think he's the one he he picks up and says, "Tell your friends about me." I think he played that goon.
1: Oh, whoa! No way. I gotta, I gotta look that up.
0: It's either him or he's the other goon in the scene, the the
1: one who says, "What are you?"
0: Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of that movie, so it's it lovely to see him still, still working, still
1: working, and he's having trouble to, to you know, wrench that thing that he's doing there. Yeah. <laughs> Poor guy
0: yeah oh great stuff yeah oh i was gonna that's what i was going to say just because you're talking about like the the british archetype of imperial i loved that they knew like when denise go came on board she's obviously doing an english accent because it would be very jarring to have an irish accent for an imperial you know because there is Mm. like the historical precedence of who's who are imperialists uh the irish not so much uh i just thought that was a fun detail but I would like more Irish accents generally in Star Wars.
1: Yeah, I mean why they could have given Fiona Shaw just just speak your normal Irish accent. Right? Oh she
0: does. Fiona Shaw is speaking of an Irish accent.
1: I I get a bit of American sometimes from her.
0: Oh no, it it's like a a a, reg, a, a regional dialect to misquote the principal skin oh, okay. thing. But no, she is she even says like um a line well what's that great line she She's does like, yeah
1: there is a bit of irish that comes
0: out at times but uh, it's like oh whining having a whiny mother will cure you yes that. yes yeah and i was like that I, is I the thought. most irish thing i've ever heard i yes, love hearing I, that the i irish... did think that
1: was quite irish yes
0: <laughs> but anyway um yeah so now that we've we've covered the irish question <laughs> <laughs> the uh, irish job the irish job will we go into our question segment jake Ooh, excited because I, I don't know these well I know one of them but. <laughs> I will start with the one you know so uh, this is from uh, a young man named David Osgar. never uh, heard of him no he's a mysterious fellow uh, he asks uh, by holding back on the space slash fantasy elements uh, brackets being un mm. especially elements like aliens and elaborate characters I presume he means elaborate in appearance uh, does the show become embarrassed of itself and um, this is kind of something we covered up top, in a way, with like the the forest and the Jedi and stuff. And I was, I'm curious, what do you make of that, Jake?
1: Is it embarrassed of itself? Uh, no, I don't think it is. I think the, I think maybe the question is it embarrassed of Star Wars? Is maybe the more angle, which I don't know, like um. You kind of have to ask Tony Gilroy in a way because I, I don't think it's embarrassed of itself in the show that we're watching. Mm. I think every they're taking everything very seriously, um, and even the stuff that is outlandish, you know, they're having fun with it a bit. You know, we do have B two emo this little dog like droid that's like that she gets her, peed her, on. Her, her, her knee, like you know, yeah. and all this sort of stuff. that gets, gets peed on. <laughs> uh, and we do have some of the spectacle, especially with that The Eye episode, you know, yeah. with TIE fighters and heists and all these sorts of things that we associate with Star Wars. Um, n- uh, No, I, I don't think they are embarrassed of itself or of being Star Wars. I just think this is Tony Gilroy's version of Star Wars, and he's bringing his flavor, his interests... To this larger story, I think if he was, I think if he was embarrassed of Star Wars, he would have done the reshoots of Rogue One and not come back. <laughs> you know, that's uh, true. So, so I think it's interesting that he has come back, and I, I think it's it's a different take of Star Wars, but at the same time, it's still got everything that Star Wars is about. If you know what I mean.
0: No, I I agree. Um, it's part of
1: it's part of again going back to my buffet analogy. It's just you know. Is a new dish on the buffet now.
0: Mm. Or it's like, oh, I really want that dish, but I can't really handle all that red onion right now Could I have it without the red onion. So this is like... There we go. Stepping back a bit. But I think, like, why... I don't know. It'd be difficult because I... I have my thoughts on Star Wars Aliens generally. I love them. I think they add texture and they look great. But it's very rare when I think about alien characters who i've made like a real emotional connection to it or can carry an emotional scene like yoda's the main one i can think of Mm -hmm. and then i struggle a bit um and i think for a show like this with what they're talking about maybe like having a puppet or an animatronic might not deliver the same weight if that makes sense i don't think it's embarrassed of it because obviously there are aliens present they're in the background but this is a show that I think is really priding itself on the calibre of human actor it can get. One of one of my big regrets, because I'm a, I, I'm a fan of the sequel trilogy, of course, but one of my big regrets with it is I think Lupita Nyong'o is one of the best actresses of her generation. And although I like the character Maz Kanata, I think it is maybe a missed opportunity to have an actor that good like in a role where we don't see her. Like, you know, I think you know it's a good character, but I would have loved to have seen her on screen. And bizarrely, even though she won an Oscar in 2012, she's been in really few films ever since. Mm. Uh, embarrassingly so, not for her, but for us. Like, why have we failed Lupita Nyong'o? Mm. Um, but she could always play another character in Star Wars. That's the fun thing now. Like, she could be like Andy well, Circus.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's it's all fair game now.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I I don't think it's Star Wars being embarrassed of itself because I think. If it was embarrassed of itself, it would it would almost have to reboot itself. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, it have to like destroy the iconography, and you can't really do that, you know. Because I think we talked about in early episodes, it's like, oh, it's going to be weird when stormtroopers show up, and it was at first because there's a slight tonal change to how we are used to seeing them. But I think now it's just come back fully full circle. I don't think and, embarrassed... now, and
1: now they're just there. They're just part of the aesthetic that we're used to.
0: And on the early Farrick's episodes, there were some funny alien moments. Uh, yeah, so
1: the, the little guy jumping out of his doorstep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you you've seen that? <laughs>
0: that guy roaring at that little alien. You know, uh, the <laughs> the big goon. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's interesting. I think D- Dave is like asking that in the same way I asked the question earlier. It's like, uh, kind of maybe playing devil's advocate a bit of like trying to, trying to just trying to raise the question because it is true. Yeah.
1: And then I do wonder on a practical side of things or business side of looking at things, because um, I think these things do have to be taken into consideration. Yeah, yeah of course. Is, is um, budget and things like that, and you know, obviously we're well aware that uh, Tony Gilroy and team are not using the volume. You know, they're using real practical sets. Um, and, they built know,
0: that prison in the ocean.
1: <laughs> what? Well, they the c- probably the crew is still there. <laughs> they're still there, out in Iceland somewhere. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I think that this show looks expensive anyway, mm. like with the amount of sets and the costumes and everything. So I just wonder if it was also a case of like, you know, balancing the budget of like, well, we want to build these sets. You so were going to have less money for alien designs and costumes and things like that. It's, it's um, very similar. Sorry. I was just saying, because the volume, um, again, it's a it's a wonderful tool. And I think when used effectively, it's fantastic. But it is a cheaper option. Mm. which is how maybe why some of the other shows, you know, just they are cheap. They can put more aliens and stuff in them because they got more budget for that because they're saving money by using the volume. Yeah. So it, I th- it's it's something to take into consideration, I think.
0: It's very similar to um, because uh, the season's just ended, the first season of House of the Dragon, and it's a very ironically named show because I'm, I'm a big fan of it, but the dragons actually appear so little that at times when they appeared, I was like, oh yeah, of course, this is called House of the Dragon. And that's not me complaining, because for me, like Andor, that is a show with a, a, a fantastic cast who show up and have great conversations with each other. And it's like, yeah, I will I will take that if that is where the like the budget is going, rather than like giant CGI dragons. That is just it's far more interesting to me. And I'm not saying the dragons are bad, they're done really well, but if I had to pick this show would just be called House of the... I, I could leave the dragons.
1: <laughs> House of the Targaryens.
0: House of Targarians, Targaryens, yeah, why not? But uh, anyway. Anyway. Dragons
1: Dragons. it is, because dragons are cooler. Dragons <laughs> are cooler,
0: you know, but so. rather than the like, same very blonde incestuous family. But good Ooh. drama. Good yeah. drama.
1: Uh, good drama. Uh, right,
0: so uh, what's the next question then? So the next question is from my good friend Chris Connors, who, uh, who was on an episode of... The Book of Boba Fett with me, he came on for a week, and we talked a lot about uh, Mandalorian lore, because he's a big EU nut for the old Mando stuff, and some was of it... That
1: for, was that for the, the Mando episode of the show? It was, was it? it was yeah, uh, yeah.
0: the Mando episode where he, he's with the armor and all that, I can't remember, yeah. is that? that's the first one, isn't it? Yeah, it is, the first Mando Boba.
1: Yeah, yeah, because then he goes and sees Luke,
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, Luke, uh, Luke Chris was on <laughs> for that episode, and he's thrown us quite a funny question, Chris. Like, Chris, like yourself, is a big fan of um, like po- political thought and philosophy, and he asked us: the Empire clearly aren't big on the whole universal slash human rights thing, but they sure do like law. So where are the space lawyers?
1: Oh wow! I never thought <laughs> I never thought about space lawyers. Yeah, because they'd have to be there, surely.
0: Because it seems like where we are in at the time of Andor, it's like the Empire can just give you a sentence without a trial. Like, they have, like, an office on Niamos the where they just, like, were handing out sentences. I can,
1: yeah, I can, I can imagine maybe, like, during the time of the Republic, there would have been lawyers aplenty and stuff did like Ahsoka that.
0: Did Ahsoka have a lawyer for her trial? She did. She did. Was that Padme, um, or who was it?:
1: Yes, it was Padme was representing her, I think, yeah,
0: okay, so it seems like people can represent you, even yeah. if they're not formally trained lawyers.
1: Uh, yeah, if you're a politician or a you're senator <laughs> of some kind, like you you can do it, but um, yeah, I think maybe it was a probably like most things during the empire. It was much more prominent in the times of the Republic, and then slowly over time, the empire's like, let's just quietly wean this off you know, yeah. slowly get rid of it because uh, by the time we get to this point in Andor, Palpatine's like, you know, turn that six-month sentence into six years <laughs> uh, and you get no say in it, as Andor keeps on saying, I was just a tourist!
0: <laughs> I do want to use this time to pitch my new uh, Star Wars spin-off show called Better Call Mall Better Call Maul. A good friend, to F. Maul gets a law degree starts to take down Sidious It's like Aaron Brockovic That'd be quite good, I'd like to see that Maul Goodman, yeah, and that's a- how
1: you can bring back um, em- Amelia Emilia- Clark. Oh yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, there you go. You get, get get do um a
1: lawyer show with them
0: too. It's a shame his his big court case. He didn't have a leg to stand on.
1: Oh no. <laughs>
0: uh. Oh dear. Oh dear. Anyway, <laughs> we could just uh, go to, like to the end music there. But that's Jake's you just know what?
1: It. It'd be it'd be great if we did maybe see some lawyers in Andor. Because that would, be andor, if any show is going to bring lawyers in, it seems like Andor would be the one.
0: I could see Cyril maybe wanting a lawyer if he's unjustly terminated from Uncle Harlow's office job. <laughs>
1: maybe Uncle Harlow's a lawyer. Maybe
0: Uncle Harlow. Oh dear. Um, yeah, so I think that wraps us up. Uh, thank you, David, and thank you, Chris. Those are very fun questions to tackle and very, like, very on point for this episode as well. Um,. Yeah, so I don't really have any final thoughts. I think we've had like a really intricate discussion. And yeah. like all these episodes, I always come out of them thinking there's probably stuff we missed, but that is just- Probably yeah. That's what happens when there's so much to, there's so much in it, you know? Mm.
1: Yeah, I mean, I could probably talk more about Cyril and his his angle and uh, um, love it. I mean, we didn't get it in this episode, but loving all the stuff with his mom, yeah. <laughs> his, his horrendous mother who just keeps on abusing
0: him. Um, oh, I love that character.
1: There's just that there's a lot of interesting family dynamics in this show in mm. general.
0: Uh, because it, you obviously
1: you obviously have the Mothmas family, Cyril Khan, you have that sort of uh, found family that Cassian's got with um, Marva, but he's also looking for his sister. Mm. So yeah, really interesting family dynamics going on in this show.
0: Gosh, what a lot we had to cover there, Jake. And like yes, death
1: a lot. And we didn't didn't even get to some of the things like vel and Sintra and stuff but uh, i'm sure in other episodes we'll, we'll be able to talk more about
0: yeah it. absolutely um yeah so i suppose we can go into our plugs so you can follow me on twitter at niall the and on letterbox at niall Glynn and you can find these details on my twitter of course uh jake is there anything any anything you want to give people to follow you or any projects or, or you're probably too busy with your new course
1: yeah, there's nothing major in the works at the minute. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Sweaty Jake uh, is my handle. Although I've just taken a break from social media in general. I haven't really been on there for the last couple of weeks. Uh, I was a bit. I just need to just stay away from it all, you know, because uh, it wasn't really doing any wonders <laughs> for my mental health. So I thought, I'll be back at some point, but uh, I'm just taking an extended holiday from social media. Well, Jake, I
0: don't know if you've heard the news about Twitter, but (laughs) I don't don't know if it's worth coming back to. Uh, Yes, I have heard the news about Twitter. (laughs) We'll go too into that. So, um, if you've got nothing to plug, though, how about, do you want to give any recommendations? Anything you're reading or watching outside of Star Wars? Obviously, don't recommend Andor, because we just did that for, like, two hours. <laughs> uh,
1: I, you know, I tell, I'll give you people a book recommendation, because it is the month of spooky. Ooh, We are in spooky season. Uh, and for this is, oddly enough, for the first time I've actually ever read this book. Uh, And that is Bram Stoker's 1897 Dracula. Ooh, Yeah, man. Um, As an Irishman yourself, Mm. you can, uh, you know, Bram Stoker. Um, You know, I've loved vampires my whole life, loved Dracula, watched a a lot of the films and stuff, Uh, been a big fan, but I've never actually taken the time to read the original book. Uh, And I have to say, it's an (laughs) incredible book. Like, it's actually better than I thought it was going to be really gripping, really, like, suspenseful. Um, Dracula's not the main character at all, which is great. (laughs) Uh, He's barely in it, actually, Mm. but it's more the characters around him and how they react to him and stuff. Uh, I think it's fantastic, and I think... um, Also, if you think you know who Dracula is and all his strengths and powers and stuff like that, you'll know some of them, obviously, the, the big famous ones, but read the original novel and you'll actually be pleasantly surprised at how different modern versions of dracula is to the original so that that's my uh that's my sort of recommendation of the week is the dracula book
0: oh that's cool that's that's a good timing for one and it's getting colder now so even if you don't read it around halloween it's fun like reading kind of spooky books when it starts to get cold
1: yeah man and yeah. just the the autumn season in general is a spooky season is like oh it.
0: i love it i love it and um i'll just give for a quick recommendation as well because weirdly i recommended it to an old friend of mine earlier today, he messaged me out of the blue saying, no, nah, watch some like good old horror movies I can throw on. that I haven't seen. And I would recommend, uh, Nosferatu, the vampire, the, uh, but I'm not going to do the original. I'm going to do the Werner Herzog, the one. Werner Herzog one, which uh, I actually prefer. I think it, it's a very beautiful, beautifully made thing. I think, uh, Klaus Kinski, who's obviously a real, was a real life lunatic, but brings <laughs> yes. so much pathos to the role. Uh, and of the amazing Bruno Gantz in the lead. Werner Herzog, you know, obviously he's... If you've listened to the show since we've done the Mandalorian recap stuff, big Werner Herzog fans around here. Uh, yes, we all are. I hope he gets back to some fiction films soon because, oh, he's so good.
1: At... I'm hoping, I'm genuinely hoping he pops up in Andor. <laughs> so am I.
0: <laughs> Give him some meat to like really chew into. I think I was I was talking to Richard about it. He was in that um Tom Cruise film, Jack Reacher. Oh yes, yes.
1: In... He he talks about eating his fingers. He talks about or eating his there.
0: fingers. Shows up for what like barely like three scenes maybe in the whole movie and steals it. amazing Amazing.
1: well that's what he does that's what he does
0: should have been a bond villain at some point hopefully we (gasps) still have time
1: maybe it's it's never too late it's never
0: too late so uh the vampire if people do want to watch it there is like a low-res version on youtube youtube is a great resource for older films because sometimes the copyright people just don't care like if (laughs) if you like soviet era films they're all free on youtube they're archived officially because they belong to the people so uh
1: yeah well and the original nosferatu as well is public domain i believe it is now. yeah is it
0: yeah it is It is after yeah. years of uh literary disputes by being a, a literal ripoff of dracula but <laughs> yes that was a big but case. i think yeah, the I best argument for copyright being a load of bunk because if we didn't have copyright law imagine the like remix culture we would have not like capital driven that i don't know maybe i'm I'm going on a tangent here. I'm I'm sounding like mm. the guy from the Eldani I, episodes.
1: No, I find it quite funny because I was actually speaking, I think it was with Rob. Um and I was like, isn't it crazy to think that in like I think it was like 2060 or 70 something, Batman will be in the public domain.
0: As soon as you said Rob, I knew who what character you were going to be talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The base true, like uh, that's so interesting.
1: Yeah. They're like we we might be alive to see a, a public domain Batman film, not produced by Warner Brothers.
0: <laughs> well, you know what? I think it would be cool as hell. Let people have a go. Yeah. Hey, Kevin Feige, make your Batman movie. <laughs> make your Batman. Imagine how vindictive <laughs> that would be. Well, he
1: he still has to make his Star Wars film. Come on, well,
0: is a alleged Star Wars film. I alleged. I did want to talk to um, Home to get Tom on, of course, Tom Gapper. Because we're both big Lost fans, and now the Damon Lindelof Star Wars film seems to oh, be. Oh yeah,
1: that that's in development, isn't it?
0: They yeah, got a director, it's got a director Star- attached. This seems like bizarrely out of nowhere has become maybe the most tangible yeah, Star Wars film.
1: It's interesting because I remember I, I, I saw the news and I remember ages ago, like a few, like two or three years ago, where that first came out of like, oh, Damon Lindelof is actually developing a Star Wars. Yeah. Film. And I thought, oh wow, amazing! Because I'm a big fan of um, Of Watchmen, of uh, course, the Watchmen, the HBO show, um, and um, the Leftovers as well. I started it. It's I d- very good. I d- it's very good. Yeah, um, I've never actually watched Lost though, uh, but I am a a, a Law fan, uh, and I thought, oh, amazing! And then just didn't hear anything yeah. about it, and then hear this news out, and oh, what great joy! Is like it's happening. Well, we don't know if it's happening, but there's, there's forward movement on it, which is good. Yeah.
0: Because I've gotten sick of the news cycle of uh, people like pestering Ryan Johnson now. He's trying to do press for his new knives out. It's like, where's the trilogy? Where's the trilogy? It's like, give the dude a break. What? We- we'll- if it can happen, it will happen.
1: He, he yeah, he'll do it when he feels he's up to it. Yeah, right?
0: he's gotta finish the Benoit Blanc saga. He's
1: he's yeah, he's having fun with the knives out
0: yeah. saga. So looking forward, Let him do his looking thing. forward to uh, it.
1: You know what? I, I, I'm just, a full, As a Star Wars fan, I'm just at full acceptance now of like a movie will come out when it's ready. Yeah. Like it I I'm not I'm not grasping for a film at the minute. You know, it'd be nice, but you know, it's fine. <laughs> so. Yeah. We got, we got plenty to, to chew over until then.
0: That we do, because like the same day this episode came out, of course, Tales of the Jedi dropped. And uh, I probably should have addressed it up front, but don't worry, we are going to cover it. We're planning that at the moment, but obviously with Andor still on weekly, it's just a lot of planning stuff. And we've got a special episode that will be going up this weekend as well uh, for the Halloween weekend. Me and Richard recorded. It's, a, it's off the beaten path. It's a, just a bit of a goofy fun one, so... Yeah, look forward to it. be nice if you got to do any chores on, like, a Sunday morning. The scariest thing of all. Uh, and, of course, you can find the Monday Lorians on Twitter, at Monday Lorians. And wherever you use Anchor, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. Subscribe, follow us, leave us a review. It all helps. It's all appreciated. All that good stuff. And on Twitter, of course, we'll put a call out for questions. And as you heard, we've got some really fun ones there. Feel free to jump in. We'll do, like...
1: the the silly i would ask would say the sillier the question
0: the better yeah and sometimes (laughs) we get to the end of episode we've talked a lot about heavy stuff so give us we need some silly stuff poop give us some gungans you know give us all that good stuff and jake i i'm sure you've heard because this is like such a this is a very different thing to mandalorian so i've been seeing if people have their own sign-offs they want to do uh do you have anything you want to throw out to close us out I'm trying to think. Uh, Charity starts at home. Charity starts at home. home. Goodbye, everyone.